Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, what have you been up to lately? Don't you, uh, haven't you got your vaccine booked now for the um, coming months? I managed to luck out and get the uh, vaccine centre in the centre of Bath. What? I didn't even know there was one. I have to go to the fucking race course up the hill. Yeah, apparently there's, there's a hidden vaccine centre in Superdrug. What the fuck? What is this, like, uh, fucking Pokemon centres or something? Like, there's... Yeah, I, like, I was really struggling with it, and then someone said, you can luck out and get this super drug, and it's right at the bottom of the list, because it's, it kind of, the, the list bugs out. Mm. So, well, yeah, yeah. You... I saw that racehorse one, the, the racehorse, the racecourse <laughs> one, and thought, no chance. Like, I'd die walking up that hill, and then the whole vaccine would be for nothing. Yeah, I'm kind of probably going to get a cab, but I'm there thinking surely the um, cab's going back and forth with um, employees, sorry, employees, people getting the vaccine. It's got to be like a super spreader event waiting to happen, but um, <laughs> yeah. I'll figure it out. I do like the idea as well of like the um, the racehorses are somehow brought in to like administer the vaccines. Is that what you were <laughs> suggesting there? Um, yeah, they <laughs> kick the plunger down on the syringe. <laughs> yeah, they're not very precise, but God damn it, they, um, they like to contribute. Uh, so, Matthew, this episode... Um, you and I decided that we would have like a kind of silly break from all of our quite dense um, video games discussions over the last few weeks. We've had a couple of guests in uh, for the next um, for listeners. The next episode actually features a great special guest and a lot of discussion about our experiences of E3. And I think people will really like that. But it's quite nice to have some like absolute fucking nonsense in between. And mm. that's very much what this is. So this is the studio draft episode of the back page. I may have called it something like, if you can buy five game studios, you know, what would it be in the um, in the sort of text description? Because I haven't actually figured out what I'm going to call it yet. But yeah, me and Matthew, we've discussed this before. We're big fans of the podcast, The Big Picture. We like that podcast because it plays loose and fast with its own format, partly because the pandemic wiped out like the theatrical calendar. So as a film podcast, they had to work out on the fly what they were going to do. But that's very much inspired our like loose format approach to podcasting, where some episodes will be a list, some episodes will be about a new game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We like to mix it up, and Ooh. they do this thing called the draft, which American listeners will understand more than British listeners. Basically, they do it as um, you pick a year for film, and the three hosts they each pick like their favorite films from different genres, and um, basically, like they compete to to see who gets the best list because. Because people take it in turns, if someone picks you, that one film first, you can't pick it, and therefore um, you lose out and have to kind of re-strategize. So, mm. taking that format, we thought we'd ask, like, if me and Matthew were new video games publishers, right? Let's say we had, like, these crazy angel investors, like Russian gangster money, and, like, <laughs> we basically have an unlimited checkbook to buy video game developers, which six game developers do we buy? And mm. we do it as a format of basically what we've come up with like six brackets for game developers and me and Matthew will take it in turns to pick them. And listeners at the end of it will be able to vote on Twitter. Uh, we'll make it very clear where you go and vote in the poll to decide which of me and Matthew uh, has has won, basically. So yeah. what's your kind of um, vibe on this premise, Matthew? Uh yeah, well like you say, I, I love it when they when they do it in the, the other podcasts because there's this um this is constant battle between head and heart, which is something which we have a lot. Um, you know, are you trying to build the most compelling list for the average listener, or are you trying to build something which 
really like adheres to your personal values. I think that's quite an interesting dilemma. I think we're also quite closely aligned on our tastes in certain regards. I think we value certain studios more than others. So I imagine we're kind of competing for the same things. Just to sort of zoom out a little bit, it it was interesting doing research for this and just making sure that I hadn't missed any really like obvious things. Kind of how like weird and messy the, the the sort of developer publisher kind of relationship is in terms of like so many studios kind of trying to go it alone and self-publish and they become publishers and I'm sure as you explain the brackets you'll see there's some distinction about sort of people who are publishers and people who are studios um, so that made it slightly knottier uh, than I expected how about you yeah I would agree with that I think that the slight issue is that Matthew was messaging me like all night before we recorded this with like <laughs> questions of does this count as a publisher or does this count as a developer? And the truth is that because this is not serious, we're not actually buying video game developers. Yeah. Um, people might still be frustrated by how we've kind of delineated um, game developers and publishers because some publishers are, are, are you wouldn't know that they're publishers like Bloober Team, for example, the um, people who made the medium, they have like a publishing arm. I like met their marketing people so they are technically a publisher but i suppose like they probably would fall into the developer brackets in this draft were one of us to pick them um, because when it comes to publisher we're kind of speaking more sort of like broadly of the ubisoft's and eas of this world so it there's a bit of ambiguity there but yeah. it is basically just like a fun kind of grab bag um yeah yeah and yeah, i think so obviously very inspired by the fact that in recent years, Microsoft's been very big on making acquisitions. And um, I thought we could start there, actually, as a conversation uh, topic, Matthew. So what's your sort of take on acquisitions generally? Like, um, personally to me, it makes no real difference as long as the people buying the developers actually want what the developers are selling. Like, I always thought the most pointless acquisition was Bizarre Creations by Activision. Like... Mm. It felt like they had immediate buyer's remorse and no patience for the fact that they did a couple of games that didn't do that well. And the whole thing seemed like a complete waste of time. And, you know, Bizarre, in theory, could have just kept making Project Gotham games. They were very well liked. Instead, they just don't exist anymore. And that seemed like a complete waste of time. But these Microsoft ones, I don't know, get a, getting a better vibe from Microsoft as it stands, that could change in, in future years. But they do seem to want to preserve what it is that make the, makes these developers good. So where do you stand on it, Matthew? It's always confusing with Microsoft because so much of the messaging with them is is basically trying to please people because I think they, they had a run of, of making so many decisions people didn't like, which basically sort of culminates with them shutting all the studios or shutting several of the studios they do own, you know, in that kind of cull we had about five years ago of like Lionhead and um, Press Play and... Was there another way, you know, and, and, and other projects they've sort of shut down. It felt like they kind of reached a quite a low point. And ever since then, everything they've, they've done has been about kind of sort of positivity and kind of pleasing people. So, you know, A, they had to buy a load of studios to kind of replace everything because they didn't really have anything going on. And then, yeah, like the fan facing messaging has always been, you know, we're going to kind of keep what makes these people interesting. And they certainly bought studios who have strong identities, so it didn't really make any sense to kind of take a hammer to that. I'm generally, like, on board with it. I mean, you know, I've jokingly said in the past, you know, I I kind of miss the console wars. I don't, like, you know, not, not in the kind of childish way, but I do like the idea of, 
you know, people trying to make their kind of platform proposition as sort of sexy as possible and kind of fighting the corner for their fans. And particularly with Xbox, you know, because whenever they buy a studio, it basically means all their games are now going to be in Game Pass. So as someone who doesn't have infinite amounts of cash, I'm, I'm kind of okay with them folding people into their, their subscription service. I don't know if I'm in the minority on this. So it's quite hard to get a read on where people are at with all that stuff. But that's that's kind of my my sort of Microsoft take, I guess, selfishly, because, you know, I do own all the platforms. It doesn't really matter who buys who. I feel like I have some access to them either way. I guess if you are, you only have a PlayStation or whatever, it might sting a bit. I kind of like, I kind of like bullish platform holders myself. Yeah, I personally think that this addresses something that, you know, people have flagged as like a problem with um, next-gen consoles. They don't have a lot to differentiate them in terms of like the choice of software. And obviously we've Mm. seen PS4 succeed because they've managed to marshal a lot more uh, exclusives, Sony has, uh, than Microsoft did. So, you know, it becoming more competitive on that front doesn't seem like a bad thing to me. I um, also echo what you say about Game Pass. Like, I'm kind of hoping that Deathloop lands on PC Game Pass day one. That would be really cool. And And if not, like, knowing that, you know, whatever future games sort of come up from Arcane, from id, they will always be there day one. That is like yeah. really cool. So there's just an obvious consumer upside and it does create some quite fun industry drama. I mean, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy watching that stuff play out. And um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like um, the fact that the games are available on PC as well means that you can't get overtly upset about exclusivity. It's just that if you have a PS5, you don't get it. But if you're going to spend billions of dollars then that's going to be your your power play isn't it so yeah for sure i mean yeah. it's you know it's it's no different from sony buying um the oh god i've completely forgotten their name insomniac mm-hmm. you know and kind of cutting them off from potential things in the future and there was talks recently of like there might be a sort of sunset overdrive 2 or whatever but that might be a sony thing now or they've re-upped the trademark or something so it can go both ways it's just that sony uh sony are in a bit of a where i think they're in a little bit of where microsoft were five years ago in that the, the if you ever hear anything about their studios it's about people leaving and things closing it, they've kind of got that japan studio thing going on at the moment that reminds me of, of the bad xbox times and obviously they're not going through bad times playstation 5 is absolutely flying but kind of has that sort of slight sort of carelessness about it i think it has that thing of i wonder what it is they um they actually value and because dog. <laughs> well yeah that's it naughty dog and open world narrative games um, yeah those are and like everything the... every, the, every studio will make naughty dog style games i think is their deal isn't I th- it I think this really reached a um, a kind of like a height when it came to the rumor that The Last of Us was being remade, and everyone just absolutely fucking oh. hated that news on social media um, because it yeah. came right after the Japan Studio news, and it was like, oh, you closed a studio that made this exquisite looking version of Demon Souls for um, the PS5 launch, and you want to remake a game that does not need remaking. We'd like you to buy The Last of Us one for the third time. Where Xbox is, hey, we found a way that that game you bought 20 years ago now works on your current console. Like, Mm. the messaging is just miles apart. Yeah, I think though Sony has taken steps to address this by, like, talking about the fact that they're making games with Jade Raymond's studio or these these ex-Bungie developers or whatever it might be. And obviously, they, you know... I would say, like, to your point about them being in a similar position to five years ago, Sony is actually making games and, you know, has made games for their current console and is making games all year, whereas Microsoft is still 
really uncertain when it comes to that stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Sure. I, it's hard to yeah. It might just be a couple of things lining up, but um, nonetheless. So yeah, that's acquisitions, Matthew. I was curious. We've never talked about this on this podcast, but I wonder if this was a significant event in your life of like reading Games Press as a younger man. The um the time that Microsoft bought Rare for hundreds of millions of pounds. So Rare was forty nine percent owned by Nintendo. And then got bought out in, I believe, 2001 or two. I've, I've written down 2001 here. It was around this time. Mm. What was um, what was the impact of that to you as a reader, like and as someone who played games on Nintendo consoles? I didn't have a massive interest in like industry happenings. I don't think. Obviously, I read about it and I knew about it, but like it, it didn't really like register with me. I knew- I loved Goldeneye Perfect Dark. I'm not like a huge rare nerd. I will say, outside of outside of Goldeneye Perfect Dark, like uh, you know, I wasn't like, oh no, we're never gonna get another Banjo Kazooie. They were like a, a a step down from like Nintendo's platformers themselves. So I wasn't too cut up about it. I think the stuff that they were like working on at the time, like I wasn't that bothered about. And I think it probably helped that like Star Fox Adventures was a bit of a bit of a nothing. So you were like, eh, okay, you know, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> I think it would have been different if they'd been working on, you know, Perfect Dark 2 and it was a known about thing and, and, you know, you saw pictures of it and then it had been taken away. But at that point, that wasn't really the vibe of them. And then the early stuff they did on Xbox just weren't weren't very good. So it didn't really matter. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so um, just to kind of get a few more facts in here, it was 2002 they bought them. It was um, September 2002 for 375 million dollars so that was big money like back then it was um a big deal yeah i i um i sort of echo that in the sense that it took a long long time it seemed like over a decade for microsoft to get rare to a place where it seemed like happy with the stuff it was getting or at least you know the stuff it was making i.e see if thieves actually had like you know a positive sort of commercial impact on xbox whereas it did feel like all of its preceding games were kind of like, you know, some got a positive reception. People like Banjo Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts. We didn't mention that on our 2008 episode. The Viva Pinata games, you know, they're they're really you know good, verging on great, I'd say. But they're you know they're quite super niche, and I think they did speak to like Xbox, just not really knowing what to do with that studio. And then again, that hits rock bottom when they just get them making like connect sports games for what feels like forever. But now, yeah, I think they've kind of like. I don't know. In in fact, I'd say the Sea of Thieves kind of like what happened with Sea of Thieves and Xbox and Rare makes me feel kind of generally okay about the the other studio acquisitions because I think that is a good example of Xbox going like relatively hands off, letting a studio does what it do does best and kind of you know find its groove. They, I imagine they are trying to apply that thinking to all the studios they now have. Yeah, I would think so. The Rare thing's just interesting because it was the first time I remember there being like a big acquisition in games. Like that I remember mm. there being this, uh, you know, it was a big enough drama that I just remember there being, it felt like one of the first big like internet games dramas to me. Like um, mm. where I was just trying to find out information about it and people on messenger boards were like, oh shit, you know, I liked all these Nintendo games at N64, you know platformers matthew that you may not have been as keen on but um mm. nonetheless it seemed yeah it seemed huge at the time but uh yeah a weird one so there's a bit of preamble matthew shall we get into the game the game let's... of acquisitions let's do it <laughs> cool okay so gonna just explain the rules here so here's the premise me and matthew are two big new rival publishers with an unlimited checkbook we can buy six studios each 
and we have to explain our choices. The rule is we each take it in turns to pick a studio and there's no doubling up. Whoever wins a coin toss goes first. There are six categories in total, so the choices have to be specific. And it's competitive because we're each trying to make the biggest impact on the market. I think I may have not read that making the biggest impact on the market thing, or I guess that will come down into the as we make our case. Yeah, oh, let- I'm, in- I'm instantly worried. I've got some heart choices here. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, let's revise that then. We are trying to like we're trying to be commercially successful, but we're trying to make good shit. That's like the overarching thing here. I've picked studios that have a good track record, but an equal amount of heart going into my choices, Matthew. I've not done okay, this as good. a game of numbers, you know. I- I did have a very broad question that I wanted to raise. (laughs) Why are we doing this? Is that the question? No. When we buy (laughs) these studios, are we sort of buying them like as they are now or like a kind of theoretical version of them at their best? Maybe that's a better question to address after we've done the brackets because... Okay, that's a good idea. There's one big, big, um, you know, bracket that takes a bit more explanation than (laughs) some of the others. And um, that ties into what you're you're saying. So should we do the brackets? Yeah, let's do it. These are the brackets, Matthew. So, yeah. bracket one, and, brackets one and two are kind of the same thing. Bracket one, a big studio not owned by a publisher. Bracket two is also a big studio not owned by a publisher. The mm-hmm. thinking there is, these are the types of studios that Microsoft has been hoovering up. You know, the In Exile um, type studios or uh, Ninja Theory, for example. Like, these are yeah. Yeah, studios that are basically independently owned or owned by some kind of holding company. And they're not currently owned by a publisher, therefore they're up for grabs. So that's yeah. brackets one and two. Very straightforward. Bracket three is an indie developer. We've categorized that as around 20 employees or less. Or we, I know <laughs> that indie can be a very vague term. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're well aware of that. So, yeah. I have but, been looking at Wikipedia team sizes for these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't necessarily, actually. But I think my choice probably fits, so it's fine. Okay. Bracket four. A studio that already belongs to one of the three platform holders. So, a studio owned by Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo. Bracket five, an entire third-party publisher, and it can't be a platform holder. So, Microsoft buying Bethesda, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And that also, just to be clear, that gets you all the studios that third-party publisher owns. Yeah, so it's it's an important category. I would also it's say a it's a category. category. <laughs> I would also say it's a category where it's quite hard to lose because I think, like, even if you're like the runner-up, you'll still get something pretty amazing. So um, I'm yeah. really curious to hear your choice for that one, Matthew. So bracket six, the final bracket. This is the most complicated one: the time machine option. You can bring <laughs> any developer from the past into the present, but it has to be from ten years ago or more. You can pick that developer at basically any time in their lifespan. So. Yeah, these can be like closed studios or, you know, studios at their best that kind of got folded into other studios, whatever it might be. So, yeah, right. basically, while all the other ones are like have to adhere to these are the studios as they are now, this bracket is, you know, you pick a specific moment in time for a developer that you like. So, oh, is that... so they don't have to be explicitly closed. No, did I, I well, I suppose, should they be closed? I don't know. Oh, I don't it's, know. It's yours oh, closed. God. Uh, well, I, I went down that route, but uh, we'll, we can discuss that one when we get to it. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, well, could, oh, that's so. It could be like a snapshot of a company that's still going, but at a better time. Yeah, I suppose it. I suppose so. Yeah, I just that. I, I mean, will no. be like cards on the table, Matthew. I have picked a closed developer. I I have too because I thought we were talking closed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite hard having these conversations. And this is, this is the challenge last night when I was messaging you about this, <laughs> is that, like, I don't want to reveal, like, my thinking at all. So I've been trying to find things which are like the things I'm actually interested in. So I was like, oh, what about, what about these guys? Even now, I don't really want to say, just in case. Yeah. Um, I, because... I did wonder if you were, like, you know, kind of um, feeling out a few options there. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, as you pointed out on Twitter, there is a high chance of chaos in this episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, okay, that's, that's, that's interesting. Because there's some people now where I'm like, I thought if you bought them and promised to, like, return them to their former glory, they'd be really valuable assets. But yeah. if you bought them as they are now, people might be like, ugh. Well, I think the important thing is that I think because people are <laughs> probably about like 40 people are going to vote on this on Twitter, Matthew. Yeah. I think that we need to basically say that the, the choices we make for brackets one to five now are them as they are now. Like, that's what you're buying just because. Okay, okay. That's that that makes it that makes it pretty simple. Yeah, whereas the we have um, a few bonus categories that we'll get to afterwards. That allows yeah. you to put more of a stamp, your stamp on um, yeah, okay, what's that's going fine. on. <laughs> but nonetheless, basically, yeah, we're talking about the developers they are now. So I will recap again just for people listening. Bracket 1, a big studio not owned by a publisher. Bracket 2, the same thing, another big studio not owned by a publisher. Bracket 3, an indie developer. Bracket 4, a studio that already belongs to one of the three platform holders, Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo. Bracket 5, an entire third-party publisher. Brackets, not a platform holder. You don't need the brackets bit. That's for me. Don't know why I say that loud. <laughs> There's too many brackets. <laughs> yeah, there is, because they're already called brackets. Very confusing. Um, bracket 6, the time machine option. You can bring any developer from the past into the present, but it has to be from 10 years ago or more, um, and it has to be a closed studio. That's kind of what we're agreeing now, right? Let's just say that. Yeah, let's agree on that. Cool. All right. Good. So the studio doesn't exist anymore. That's what counts for that. Um, so yeah, right. I'm going to do my best not to use the word bracket too many times after this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, let's dig a tiny bit into uh, A, why we're doing this, and then B, our kind of methodology on, on making our choices, Matthew. So why are we doing this? It's quite fun, isn't it? It's just like a, it's like playing a silly management sim or something. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. And it's nice to think about these, like... Uh, particularly with like the time element it's it's been quite useful for for looking at a company and thinking like what is this actually about what does it currently stand for you know how you feel about its prospects going forwards because you know in the lifetime of a studio they do change massively that's why i asked about the timing element you know there are some people who are you know are definitely at the peak of their powers at a different time and so this was quite a fun exercise for that i'm not saying we started this as an academic exercise but when I was putting together my list, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, it is interesting, like, how different our studios might look if we did them at another time. I think that's very true. Like, uh, there is uh, there is one choice that I didn't make that I thought, if I'd have picked this 10 years ago, it would be like, it would help me kind of get an edge on you in this. Mm. But now, their reputation's a little bit more debated, so it becomes Ooh. less of a kind of slam dunk to pick them. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite um, interesting, yeah. I also noted, this is just more of an observation, within these brackets, it does make it very hard to get your hands on a lot of Nintendo stuff. There's there's only a couple of ins to Nintendo, because everything's so folded in to the, um, 
to the to the main platform holder. I, I kind of got a bit mad going down the rabbit hole and was thinking like, <laughs> well, what happens if I get this studio? But actually, I don't own any of the IP because it all belongs to Nintendo. <laughs> so actually, it's kind of useless to me. Yeah. yeah. Ninten- Nintendo's tricky. My, I will say my list is impressively or my dream list anyway is impressively nintendo free i may have to do some rethinking on the fly okay interesting so basically i don't have a single nintendo choice in here i like you i just kind of thought well you could there are some studios you could take from nintendo and it'd be interesting to see how they kind of do without those characters but it feels like the characters are so intrinsically linked it's not like taking say you know naughty dog where I feel like you don't need The Last of Us or Uncharted for there to be a good Naughty Dog game. Naughty Dog could make a good game, like mm-hmm. an original game, and it, w- it would probably be good. So that's just an example of like, you know, the sort of type of thinking, I suppose. I, I did like, I did try and think of it a bit as sort of like there was a connecting link of types of games. So I've kind of gone for sort of like hardcore-ish games with a bit of like sort of strong or the strong narrative element or like good world building mm-hmm. like that's kind of like the kind of rough I, template yeah I, I did cynically think about like what i imagine our listeners to be like in their tastes and what we have championed on this podcast and like mm. how i could get like exclusive rights to as much of that as possible yeah i don't think you would ever necessarily build the studio i'm proposing we build <laughs> um but well we'll see yeah I, th- yeah I think that actually there's a you know there's a big kind of nintendo contingent that listens to this podcast and enjoys your sort of like discussions of nintendo matthew so i think you're right where well, that might give you the edge at certain points but um yeah i think as well like you say there's going to be so much crossover that there will be a competitive element so like i say we'll do like a coin toss whoever kind of goes um goes first gets to pick first and then we take it in turns basically and they can pick uh an entry from any of the categories so yeah so certain, really, yeah. certain of the certain of the brackets feel like more of a gold mine, and you want to get in early on them. But mm. we shall see. Yeah, I've um, I've thought kind of strategically about what I want to do first. So um, I'm sure. Oh, you really? Have to. Interesting. Yeah. So shall we do it, Matthew? Let's do it. Um, do you have a coin? Because I realised that I haven't used like oh, physical God. money. <laughs> what a start! <laughs> I mean, I haven't used physical money since March 2020. So. Um, um, I could probably go Listen, find one. It's got a, there's, I imagine there's a coin flip app on the internet. That's a very good point. I, why don't you do it? Because I, I trust you to be honest, but not myself. <laughs> God, that's terrible. <laughs> there's like a Google coin flip thing. So uh, what do you what do you want? I'll let you pick. Um, Tails. Okay. Tails it is. So I'm going first, yeah? You're going first. Okay, so my first choice, a big studio not owned by a publisher... I'm going with From Software for bracket one. Oh. Yep. So I'm feeling pretty good about that one. Basically, <laughs> we're talking about the most acclaimed developer of the last 10 years is making Elden Ring, a game that is the most hyped up game like you know, of, of this generation so far. Every bit of information, people are jumping on it. I'm not the world's biggest Dark Souls fan. I love Sekiro, though. And I love the kind of um, I love the world of Bloodborne, even if the, it's a bit too close to Dark Souls and style for me to like love the game. But Sekiro makes me think, they're, okay, they, they're they're a Samuel Roberts studio now. Like, um, come into the <laughs> fold, join the team. You know, we're going to make some good shit. I'm going to bankroll all of your like mad, dark, hardcore RPG action games. What do you make of this choice, Matthew? 
Yeah, that's that's a great choice. Uh, it was definitely in my list of 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 contenders and could have potentially been a pick. I I think the only problem with owning from software is you do doom yourself to just the most terrible online discourse for the rest of your career. People <laughs> are going to be hassling you for news forever, which is yeah. I mean, maybe it's worth taking that hit. Yeah, I mean, let my marketing team worry about that. You know, um, like right. Miyazaki and friends, they can just get on with making making the good shit. Um, you so can yeah, properly insulate them from all that bullshit. Exactly. Yeah, you know, they. I'll just say, don't go on Twitter. You know, just keep making this. Like, keep making your, you know, fucked up worlds with lots of little kind of like law bits of law um, sort of strewn about the place, and um, funny player messages and wacky bosses, and you know, crack on. We'll make some good shit together. That's um, interesting. Interesting. I mean, you're right. It is super hardcore. I would also say, like. It instantly like it, it sets at your table and maybe draws like a a certain kind of fan to your wider publisher and you're gonna have to deal with maybe the uh <laughs> like juxtaposition of from software and your other picks which mm. may be difficult you know, you know people can be like oh man i thought i knew what they were about with from software but they've also got x so i mean there's a risk there <laughs> yeah but you know like um uh, namco publishes you know elden ring but also you know taiko no tatsujin well like. that's yeah but uh, yeah and they have to deal with people who are constantly like yeah dark souls and like fuck that drum with a face <laughs> <laughs> has anyone ever said that on the internet fuck that yeah, drum with a the face they're like no like they're like guys we've got a reveal coming up and everyone's like elden ring elden ring and they're like it's drum with a face four and then everyone's like fuck the drum with a face i want to hit his face with an axe and well, deal with that okay well you know a bit of cynicism there but i feel like this is like the big developer that's kind of Listen, on i'm there. just jealous i'm just trying to put a spin on it so that people vote for whatever i pick <laughs> Oh, let's go on then, Matthew. Like, so it's your turn. So, which of the brackets are you picking for your first? Uh, I'm going. I'm also going to start with a studio not owned by a publisher. Mm. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to go straight for IO Interactive. Wow. Okay. Very good choice. And like weirdly, one I kind of forgot when I was making this list. <laughs> oh wow. Oh okay. I really thought I thought that was going to be like highly in contention for this one. So that's why I thought I've got to get in early. Now feel like I've wasted that quite golden opportunity. <laughs> that's good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, if you listen to this podcast, you'll know where we stand on the subject of Hitman. I mean, this is a choice built pretty much solely on Hitman and the idea of them making Hitman-esque games going forwards. We've also got that James Bond license. That's going to be massive. I mean, that's going to be a big crowd pleaser. That's like, whatever happens, that's probably going to make my publishing label a lot of money, which which is good. Um, cause it means I won't get fired. Um, I can't believe I'm scared of being fired from my own fictional label. <laughs> you haven't even started it yet. You haven't even like opened <laughs> the business. Got name. Yeah. <laughs> that's how doomed this operation is. <laughs> that's that's where I am mentally in my career. <laughs> <laughs> that I can see the writing on the wall before the wall's even been constructed. That's great. Yeah. Um, I mean- yeah, like I, I think particularly in this new Hitman, this studio really knows what it's about. Um, I love their their vibe their energy i love their slightly sort of cynical humor you know i i think you know to give them the 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 space to sort of do what they want i mean if i was being malicious i'd basically force them to roll out a new hitman location like every three or four months and just have that as a games of service running forever (laughs) is what i might do with that studio um 
just to make sure we've got more Hitman. But yeah, I basically, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in that pick. Yep, it's um, you know, a solid choice. Like, um, I'm, I'm assuming the real reason you bought them is to make them make mini ninjas too, Matthew. Yeah, but, I, you know. I, I wouldn't let them make that, and there wouldn't be any Kane and Lynch as well. <laughs> um, I did fine. actually a lot of, <laughs> a lot of my thinking was based on like I could buy this to cancel this, but I thought that was too <laughs> negative a place to come from. I thought I could actually get rid of all the stuff I don't like in the world, but I don't think that's like a very uh, firm foundation. I mean, yeah, like um, that's not like a good a good way to build a company, in my opinion. It's like um, we bought you to stop you doing the thing that um, people like <laughs> yeah. you for. Well, that's basically like all these angel investors are like build the best studio in the world, and I'm thinking I'm going to murder Spyro <laughs> <laughs> um, with all this money. If you did do that, you'd be quite a character in the industry, which. You know, it's quite good for like the news cycle, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if execs being in the news cycle is always a good thing, but um, yeah, nonetheless, I think those are. I think they're probably on a par as choices. Those two, I'd say for this particular podcast, they are. They're they're two quite key players in our like general thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair. So my choice then for this next one, I'm going with indie developer. What? And that's early. <laughs> well, I just uh, I think this is like the right one. I'm picking um, Team Cherry, the developers of Hollow Knight. Ooh. So I think this is a really good shout. I cannot think of an indie game that I've seen get like the kind of um, basically sort of thirst online for information like this. Like the mm. the interest in that Silk Song game is just like massive, and I can't think of anything vaguely comparable. When I did this. When I kind of like went over this um, category, I thought about subset games who make FTL into the breach. I love those games. That's just like a two-person studio. And I thought about Giant Sparrow, the developers of Edith Finch. But then I thought, mm. what is like a shit-hot indie game that will get people excited about my company? And, you know, I've bought Hollow Knight. I've bought the, you know, the people who made this like um, cult favorite. Well, it's not really a cult anymore. It's too big to be a cult. It's like millions of people. It's like, you know, it's more like a, I don't know, <laughs> like a, a, a minor religion. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Team Cherry. That's, um, that's my pick for indie developer. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I'm not going to pick my indie one yet, but I was, yeah, it's, it's difficult because a lot of these you feel like you buy, you know, because they, they, a lot of them aren't that prolific. You're buying like one specific thing. Like an indie, an indie studio with like a, a quite a wide track record is quite hard to find, mm. um, just due to the nature of the time it takes to make these things. And you're right, like they are one of the few that have like an absolute sure thing in the future. Oh man, I'd love it if that game came out a seven out of ten now, just because you've bought it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a, I don't think that's a good enough reason to wish it um, ill, personally. But, um... <laughs> Just to spite you, I hope this game is shit. Yeah, listen, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I think that's a great head choice. From my personal heart choice, I'm not a big Hollow Knight guy, um, so like, I'm not too, I'm not too disappointed by that. Like, I, I am quite happy that I don't have to pay money for that game in the future because I won't be buying it. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> All right then, Matthew. Uh, what's your second pick? <sighs> this is really tricky. I didn't. Th- it's tricky. Cause I I've feel kind of... like I don't have to pick indie until the end now because you can't pick another indie studio, basically. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm fine with that because that's, that's the only safe. indie yeah, studio I really one, wanted. You got the one you wanted. Uh-huh. I'm going to go for an entire third-party publisher. Go on. Oh, I could have any of them. As they are now, 
I'm actually I'm uh, listen, it's a it's a it's a bit of a hard choice. Uh I'm gonna buy Capcom. Oh that was my choice for that one. Interesting. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna buy Capcom because, you know, as again, if you've listened to the podcast, you'll know that I am into a lot of the stuff they have made. I think they had a bit of a wobble like six years ago, but I think their current run has been absolutely brilliant. I think they're making lots of games. I think they're making lots of good games. More importantly, I think they're making lots of games that I personally really like. You know, I think they're they're on a roll with Monster Hunter. I think Resident Evil's in a really good place. They've still got Shooter Kumi making Ace Attorney, and he will be making Ace Attorney until his dying day. Let me tell you that. Um, uh, they've got Devil May Cry. They've got Street Fighter. Uh, you know... They've got other retro franchises they can go back to, but I think they are currently working what they have really well. I think they've got some, you know, super smart people there making really fun games. It's the identity of my studio. Like, I really want people to like this kind of balmy stuff. I, th- I think, you know, there are there are definitely third-party publishers that get you more in terms of, like, wider studios and whatnot. And this was a difficult one. Like, when you pick yours, we can talk about some of the also-runs because it was difficult. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I just want to own Shooter Kumi. <laughs> <laughs> I like... Um, this This turned into you being a fucking creepy CEO way faster than I thought it would. <laughs> no, why is that, like, in a good way? I want to support him. You're like... I want to buy these series to shut them down. Um, Shooter Kumi <laughs> will have no choice but to make Ace Attorney to his dying day. I own Shooter Kumi. I mean... <laughs> oh, oh, wait, listen, I'm going to dial back. He, he can actually... Like, I'm going to let him just make games because he's definitely got... Not a, not, a, not a ghost trick too, but, like, he's proven himself to do other things. Good news, guys. Zach and Wiki is back on the menu. <laughs> That's back. Pure Vanity Project. <laughs> More Resident Evil light gun games. We're going to do them. You want to play Resident Evil 7 and 8 as light gun games? Get on board with the old castle publisher. That's what uh, we're going to do. And they'll still be on the Wii, those uh, light gun games. They're going to be on the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we're going to relive my glory days of Endgamer. That's oh, the, also part of this. That is definitely you appealing to the people there. Um, because, yeah. um, you know... If you loved Endgamer, vote for this studio. <laughs> That's so cynical. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay, I think that is a good choice. It is the one I wanted. You asked me about Rockstar, which I... Oh, that is the, that is the one you... Oh, sorry, I misheard you. I didn't realise that's the one you wanted. No, no, Capcom is the one I wanted. Um, oh, right. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go for something else. Oh. No, no, that actually scuppers one of my later plans as well, which I... Um, for the bonus categories. So I'll have to, think, I'll have to rethink, rethink that. But um, that's fine. That's fine. So I'm going to go for my third pick. A studio that already belongs to one of the three platform holders. Arcane Studios now belong to me. So, yep. So I've got From Software, Team Cherry, Arcane Studios. I fucking like that as a roster. So, developers are dishonored and prey. As high a point in credibility as they've ever been. People were, like, massively pumped about Deathloop. There was an amazing quote during the rounds from that developer saying this isn't fast food, it's cuisine about Deathloop. Um, oh, yeah. which I fucking loved as just su- as such a ludicrous is but that like... going to be your company motto <laughs> well no because I fucking love fast food so um, oh you know, right yeah. your motto is fast food and cuisine <laughs> yeah, that's it and uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and weight gain that's like um, that's the Sammy Roberts motto so yeah um, Arcane Studios I think it's a good pick they um, owned by Microsoft there were loads I thought about for this category I thought about Naughty Dog but I think like like 
I'm like fine with playing Naughty Dog games. I don't need to own them. But I um, Arcane just make the very systemsy hardcore games that I like, and I think that's kind of what we're going for at this publisher a little bit, which is why I wanted to buy Capcom. Is um, yeah, quite detailed mechanics in games, games that don't really play themselves. Trying to go for that sort of vibe, and um, yeah, I thought Arcane was a good pick. What do you think of that one, Matthew? Yeah, that's that's a great pick. Um, I won't lie, that was at the top of my list um, for studios that belong to one of the platform holders. I mean, this one is there are so many great studios that you can only get in this bracket. It's mm. it's it's kind of an embarrassment of riches, but yeah, for the for definitely for this podcast, Arcane, um, their track record is is kind of perfect as it is currently i have high hopes for death loop i think they're a really productive studio as well like they've they, you know they've made you know quite a lot of stuff they make a lot of stuff which may sound like a bit of a dumb way of thinking about it but you know some studios are brilliant but they're just so slow or you know they really take their time finding the idea and and that works for them but i'd like a balance of like quality to productivity not to, again not to sound too much like i'm appealing to the shareholders here um <laughs> but yeah arcane are like you know they make some of the best games on the planet and they make lots of them so yeah mm. that's two, a great pick yeah two studios you know um yeah austin and um where's the other one uh it's in france by leon Car- leon that's it Th- those will be um fun places you don't to even visit. know where they are any problem <laughs> Those will be fun That's, places. That is such a money man move. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's just early in the morning. Yeah, I think Arcane, you know, they'll be fun to visit as well as CEO. When I kind of do my big money man trips, my first class flights around the world, when I've had like my mega vaccine, you know, the kind of CEO version of the vaccine that like gives you kind of like the um, Jack Krauser demonic arm. Um, <laughs> yeah. That will be, you know, high on my list is just visiting Arcane every few months, see what they're working on, visit these lovely places, enjoy the culture of Austin, and enjoy how uh, pretty Leon looks, and uh, yeah, talk to some people more talented than myself about the games they're making. It's um, I love the, I love yeah. the idea of they're they're going to people in Bath heading up to the race course, and <laughs> then they're like, wait, isn't that the owner of that amazing new mega studio publisher? <laughs> Uh, huffing up the hill <laughs> yeah i mean uh, the people of bath uh, famously um admire um ceos from video games companies well, listen, there's, there's a lot of future publishing people here yeah you know that, yeah that's true a piece of games like, people. Oh, it's like if you were going up to Bath, if you were going to get your vaccine and you saw bobby kotick walking up to <laughs> bath racecourse you'd note it i'd be like hey it's that guy from moneyball um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh okay well we've probably talked about that one enough what's your next one matthew uh oh third choice right yeah so i feel like i don't have to act now on the platform holders that's fine you can't take another of those Mm -hmm. i feel like there's probably gold in the big studio not owned by a publisher but you've not picked any of these yet yeah well that's because i have like three backups that are basically you've picked sekiro yeah yeah i picked from software so i've got three backups that i like all of them i'll be happy with oh okay so I don't know. Like, uh, this could be a chance to get my to get my hands on like a big PR win by getting like some legendary developers in the mix, just to have them for the prestige, mm-hmm. like the prestige of owning them. I'm going to pick one that I don't think you're going to have picked um, for, bra- for bracket two. For for bracket two, yeah. And this is to like push into some other genres that I currently don't have anything in. I'm actually going to pick Larian for this. Ah, that's an interesting choice. Um, yeah. They do self-publish themselves, but I think we can treat them as a... Because they publish themselves. So 
I think they're a self-contained development studio that aren't owned by a bigger publisher. So I think that's that's fair. They are, you know, for my money, the makers of the best RPGs at the moment. I think they are at the height of their powers at the moment, um, coming off Divinity Original Sin 2, coming into Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I just think they're, a, they're a, a, a great studio to own, you know, just from the <laughs> angle of they are, like the way they kind of carry themselves is really really admirable you know they've they've got this great community interaction they've done everything in a very kind of pure honest open way like i'd hope that would rub off on my other studios like i'd love it if my entire publishing label had the kind of the positive energy of larian which is very kind of people first um they've also got a sense of humor about themselves they're a bit goofy you know it's kind of so am i a little bit yeah i i think you know i think you get some great rpg talent with these guys where there are a lot of Western, most Western RPG studios, I think, have kind of botched it a little bit recently. I think they're 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 absolutely hitting it out of the park, and I think they're really really good blokes. Blokes, I think they're a really good gang, and they're really fun to hang out with. When you go to a Larian event, you always have a really good time. So like, they'll be like a good time studio. They'll they're like a secret weapon when you're doing like E3s and Gamescoms and things. Because everyone's just like, "What a laugh they are!" Yeah, I, I not, I've never played any of their games. Will I? Will I ever play one of their games? I mean, I feel like it would have happened by now if I was going to. When um, piece of game called Original Sin Two, the game of the year, I thought, "Well, I'll either play it now or I won't play it." I haven't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'm that sad to have lost this, but I agree that like getting RPGs is a is a good it's a good solid addition to your um, to your sort yeah. of lineup there. Mm. Yeah, I've currently got IO, Larian, and Capcom. Yeah, that's like a pretty good, pretty good selection. So, what would I pick next? Right. So for me, my fourth choice, I'm picking Bracket Six, the time machine option. Oh, okay. I'm picking uh, Clover Studio, circa 2006. Hideki Kamiya and Shinji Mikami uh, now work for me and um, feature some of the best Capcom artists and developers of their generation. So, I feel pretty good about that pick. I just bought basically a massive chunk of Capcom at that time. Many that doesn't, that doesn't like fuck with the timeline of the Capcom I now own in the present day. <laughs> uh oh, well they closed the studio. That's the thing. So they still exist as they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't change. This is yeah, this is interesting because there's another studio which could be confusing if you bought with this one. Yeah, I think I know which one you mean. But yeah, I. Like, uh... There are ways in this that you end up with two Hideki cameos. <laughs> Yeah. And what, yeah. what happens if they meet? Do they both explode? <laughs> I don't know. How does time travel work? Do they both have Twitter accounts? Is it the same oh Twitter account? Oh my god. Yeah. What a nightmare. I feel pretty good about this. This is um, basically, they, they made, obviously this is the teams that made God Hand and Akami. And so yeah, it could be confusing from a timeline point of view. Clover Studio, I get a big chunk of Capcom. I thought about other developers for this. Like, um, I thought about, for example, the developers of Deus Ex. Ion Storm. Yeah, I thought about Ironstorm. I thought, you know, making Thief, making Deus Ex, that's like a good combination of stuff. But like, um, mm. ultimately, that studio seemed to end in like kind of catastrophic financial failure. So it felt like that wasn't um, onto sort of a good thing. Here, I think that these developers, even though they're kind of in a very self-indulgent point in their career, I feel like positive about the stuff they can make. Akami, you know, not a game I, I love. God Hand, a game I do love. But Akami is a game that's like very loved by, you know, loads and loads of people and has kind of endured over the generations and so it felt like 
they only really kind of started um, started going with the kind of stuff they could have made. Um, so yeah, I think Clover Studio at this point, quite a good choice. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. So that's four for me, Matthew. I've got yeah from Software, Team Cherry, Arcane Studios, and Clover Studio. So mm. I like that. The publisher one, I'm still trying to figure out in my head as I go. But uh, yes, <laughs> why don't you hit me with your fourth choice? My fourth choice. So luckily, there's there's not a lot of competition for these because you've picked in the categories I've got left. So I've really got a free choice of anything. A studio that already belongs to one of the three platform holders. I'm going to buy Playground Games. Interesting. So now you're moving into the racing genre. Truly, this is a um, there's no like thread in terms of genre to this developer. Well, it covers a lot of genres. No, but there there is a through line in terms of like an attitude of fun and just pure entertainment. And for my liking, Playground Games in the Forza Horizon series have made the most fun um, racing games like that I've ever played. I absolutely love. I love this series. Uh, you know, it's a series that makes me care about cars or enjoy cars and i don't normally like it's not an interest i have at all like the normal the mainline forza doesn't do it for me this is also the studio making a new fable so i think we get in on that which is cool like that's that's a quite a big open world you know rpg thing so that's that's that ticks a lot of boxes i've got high hopes you know that as a you know, another kind of British studio, they're going to bring back a lot of the character, you know, that Lionhead had in, in the originals. Yeah, I, I just think they make super polished, big, entertaining games. Um, I think they sit very nicely alongside, like, the fun of Capcom, for example. I think in the RPG space, they'll be doing something very different to Larian. Yeah, I think this is a, a big, uh, great, great British success story, and I'm happy to welcome them into my publishing label. That's a good choice. Do you have to um, rename Fable because um, you won't own the copyright anymore, or like, um, like, will it be called Bayful uh. or something else, like, uh, or like, you know, a British Tales or something like that? Um, have you figured that out? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like I'm paying a lot of money for their biggest brains to kind of come up with that. Mm. So, okay, you know. yeah, oh, cool. All right, <laughs> Bayful it is. Um, Bayful coming to uh, next gen consoles. Cool. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's a good choice. I uh, must admit, like. Um, the one, the other one I had for this bracket I was thinking about was Bethesda Game Studios. So I thought about like you know the makers of Skyrim and stuff. But after Fallout seventy six, it feels like they're just not the hot choice. Also, Matthew, yeah. you asked me about CD Projekt, and I'm guessing that was you do, doing a bit of a red herring because no, I, I did contemplate it quite honestly for a bit. I was like, maybe, maybe there's something in CD Projekt Red, but yeah, I suppose it's just like post Cyberpunk. It's not necessarily the best time to. Um, to strike yeah. with that. Yeah. I think that, like, if, you know, I think if you guarantee to, like, get The Witcher 4, I think that's that's a pretty sexy proposition. Also, like, I don't know, I had a slight thing in the back of my head about trying to avoid any, like, major, like, places where they'd had reports of poor behaviour or wrongings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. That actually ruled out one of the publishers for me. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, not not that that was like that's not a driving principle. Like my company is open to wrongins. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong; any wrongins listening, that's fine. But, the CEO himself is uh, a dubious character. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, like there there are there are easier purchases than them. I think. Yeah. So fair enough. That that makes sense. So we've each done four brackets now, Matthew. So yeah. to to recap for the listeners. I'm from software, 
Team Cherry, Arcane Studios, Clover Studios, Circuit 2006. What's your four studios? I am IO Interactive, Larian, Playground Games, and Capcom. Interesting. Okay, so... I think that sounds pretty good already. I'm, like, already down with this. It's pretty good, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I do kind of wonder if I should have picked Capcom first, but I really wanted From Software. I really, really wanted that. Uh, Don't regret that choice. So, my fifth choice, then. So, another big studio not owned by a publisher. I Mm. am picking Kojima Productions. Ah. Yeah. So it was there. It was th- it was between that and Larian. Yeah. So you know you could argue this is a bit of an un- unproven entity. I mean, Death Stranding, very acclaimed game, it seems to have a very good reputation, particularly after its release on PC. And mm-hmm. you know, Kojima, uh, you know, we know he needs to be kind of indulged in terms of like you know budgets and international trips to game developers and um, tweeting about Mads Mikkelsen. But we can make all that happen for him over at my publishing label. Well, and, at um, the moment, yeah. you can take him on a tour of. From software, who I imagine you know, that's 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 fine. Team Cherry, that's fine. And Arcane, uh, and and back in time to Clover Studio. Yeah, that's okay. It's not quite like he likes to go to like big kind of graphical powerhouses, though, doesn't he? He likes to go to like Gorilla. Yeah, but he doesn't just go to developers um, who uh, you know are part of his, the company where he works. He goes everywhere, doesn't he? He's like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at Remedy today. Um, I just I like did... the idea of going to Team Cherry and it's like two dudes in a garage or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they work in a garage, Matthew. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but what's wrong with going to Austin or Leon? That's a nice trip. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. He's just trying oh, to pull. I take that back. The, the kind of like the the mudslinging has already begun. Like it has, it's not even E3 yet. I mean, we haven't even started business, and we're already oh, yeah. getting. I'm really like old school console wars. Yeah, I, I see us as a kind of an EA Activision sort of circa 2008. Uh, you're the guy who um, from that mentioned on that previous episode drawing pictures of uh, Sonic urinating on Mario. Um, yeah, wait, no, the other way around. The other way around. I've got that energy. <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about that. Kashima Productions rumored to be making a horror game next. That is fine with me. I would love You'll be able uh, to firm that rumor up. Well, there you go. That's it. I would like to ideally get Kashima Productions making horror games um, or stealth games. But um, you know, I'm open to kind of um, to anything basically. But uh, yeah, a horror game with Kashima's name on it. That's a that's been a long time coming. Given the um, different horror elements of his previous work, I feel like that's. Uh, gotta happen so yeah i had a couple of backups for that one that um that second um bracket so that's like uh t- my two big studios not owned by a publisher i've now firmed up basically i only have one bracket left and that is the publisher bracket cool so yeah so far then um for bracket one a big studio not owned by a publisher got from software bracket two another big studio not owned by a publisher i've got kojima productions Bracket three, an indie developer, Team Cherry. Bracket four, a studio that already belongs to one of the three platform holders, Arcane Studios. And uh, bracket six, the time machine option, Clover Studios, circa 2006. I'm feeling pretty good about that. So, um, mm. yeah, this last piece will be interesting. It'll be a, be, um, a fraught, I'm sure. So um, what, tell me your fifth pick, Matthew. Yeah, my fifth pick, uh, I'm going to go with indie developer. Uh, I'm going to take Supergiant. Okay, interesting. What was your thinking there? Just because, uh, again, in keeping with some of my other thinking, they've they've got uh, a great track record. They've made a lot of games uh, on Hades. They are absolutely, you know, 
top of the pile in a lot of people's thoughts. Okay, they haven't announced their next thing. We don't know what they're doing next. But I feel like they've gone from strength to strength. I feel like they are an indie studio with a good track record, which is that thing I was talking about earlier. And interestingly, they make something quite different every time, which I which I really like as well. So I feel like I'm going to see a lot of interesting stuff out of them. Like there are other developers who maybe had like one game that I'm super into. Like I did, fi- I did think about like buying Lucas Pope, for example because I liked Obra Dinn so much, but that also took a long time to make, and he might not have another, you know, I, he can't just make Obra Dinn 2, I don't think. Um, <laughs> two Obra, two Dinn. <laughs> yeah. I did think about Mobius Digital mm. for uh, Outer Wilds, just because, you know, as a studio that just arrived, like, fully formed with this thing I loved, that makes me really excited about whatever they'll do next. It is them, but we don't know what they're going to do next. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'll admit this is a bit. This is actually more of a head choice. Like, uh, you know, I like the super giant stuff. I'm not super in love with it. You know, like I've I've played a bit of Hades, but I know a lot of people who are into a lot of things they have made. So yeah, I'm going with them. That's a good pick. I think that's about as good as my team cherry pick. Hades got very much a similar profile, I think, to Hollow Knight in terms of you know following and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, the, the kind of the I feel like between between the the gods in Hades and the giant vampire lady over at Capcom, I kind of own a lot of the kind of performative horniness bit of Twitter. <laughs> so that's that's quite good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought of that as a battleground to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, I've instantly won that one. That's cool. Plus yourself, of course. Um, uh, plus plus myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, Miles uh, Edgeworth. I think he's got a bit of that vibe. Yeah, yeah, mm, that's true. There's think... nothing, uh, nothing horny in from software games. I must admit, no, because um, but... it's all just sort of like you know monsters made entirely out of arms and boobs and things. It's all a bit much. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I don't can't really lean on um, arcane games. They're not horny. Everyone looks poorly in those games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, human production games are horny, but in a in a kind of male gazy way that makes people think they're embarrassing. Um, yeah, if anything, that's something you'd probably want to be transitioning them away from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I can't. I can't argue with your horny quotient there. That's pretty good. Yeah, I um, mean, like a little bit of me thought about, uh, like, in a moment—not a moment of madness, because I really like their games. The the fireproof who make the room series, because I really like the room games. But again, that would just be me forcing them to make the room for the rest of their lives, which would probably be a bit miserable for them. So. Mm. You know, I'll let them retain their independence, but you know, if they ever want to do any kind of series crossovers, I'm up for it. Yeah. Okay, for sure. Okay. Well, uh, a fine choice, Matthew. So we're down to my last pick, which is for third party publisher. So Capcom was my choice, but um, obviously Matthew beat me to the punch. My choice instead is going to be Rockstar Games. So I think between K- Kojima Productions, From Software, Arcane, and Rockstar Games. Every E3, like my games are going to be front and center. Like, right, um, interesting. I think like that's probably true for some of your games, but I think that the volume of them here potentially a lot higher. I've got like you know, Rockstar Games coming off the back of Red Dead Redemption Two, one of the most acclaimed games of the generation, very high on your list of the best games of the generation, Matthew. Yeah, and you know, obviously working on the next GTA. So yes, I think that because obviously you're buying the publisher, you're buying the IP as well. You're buying GTA, you're buying Red Dead. Yeah, it's. Um, I feel like it's a good choice. They own a lot of like uh, sort of like dormant series that I'm very fond of, like Max Payne, Bully, L.A. Noir. 
we um, we'll find some ways to kind of get those going again. Might call it down on the uh, endless um, new cars release for GTA Online, which is um, a part of Rockstar I'm not as interested in. But you know, in terms of like open world spectacle, there's no one does it like Rockstar. I love that you're coming in, you're buying Rockstar, and your first plan is to cut down on the huge money-making operation <laughs> that is GTA Online. Um, your shareholders are not going to like that pitch. Well, look, I mean, you know, we're just um, we're going to try and get to like more frequent releases, like built in smaller worlds, like um, oh, like okay. in the like in the 360 days, and like right. GTA like, can still like, be. It's time to cancel the billions we're making from GTA Online, but how about more photo realistic? Sad widowed husbands in L.A. Noir Two, great. Oh, that's a that's like terrible mudslinging. That is like um, <laughs> you are. If you are saying that you wouldn't play the shit out of L.A. Noir Two, oh no, I, lying, I definitely sir. would. Um, I'm surprised um, you actually having made that case that you would still have picked Capcom over them. Well, I think that um, my thinking with with that was that I had um, a plan to basically like put Mikami back on Resident Evil. But um, that obviously by having him from Clover Studio. Um, but um, that's like I can't no believe you're cards. like you're basically kidnapping people from time <laughs> to bring them into like modern studios. <laughs> it is like a DC Comics villains plot, isn't it? That's, that's mad. Um, what a mad scheme. <laughs> but I, Megami's not going to go. What the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think that like um, you know you're you're overthinking it, and I think he'll value the opportunity to to get to use kind of like newer technologies. You know, fourteen years hence, he can you know see what games are capable of. And, um, you know, my publisher, he can make his dreams come true. So uh, it's going to be some good stuff. But um, I think I've, I think I'm think i pretty happy with that as a selection. Because, like, I yeah. did think there's a bunch of them I thought about for publisher. I thought about Ubisoft. The volume of people you get with Ubisoft is very good. But, like, um, I'm picking, like, uh, you know, more kind of hard choices here. And yeah. I, I, I like Ubisoft games, but don't, like, love them um, necessarily. So, um, yeah, Rockstar, I'm picking a, devel- uh, picking a smaller publisher, I guess. We agreed, you and I, that we can't. You can't take Take Two because it gives you too much stuff. Um, take Two gives you like Civ and XCOM and GTA, and like at that point, it's the only one to pick, basically. Um, mm. So we decided to break off Two K and um, Rockstar, but Rockstar's good, yes. Okay, so I've got from Software, Kojima Productions, Team Cherry, Arcane Studios, Rockstar Games. And Clover Studio circa 2006. Matthew, I think that's a strong choice. Of that, some- is, that is very strong. I really liked your case about E3. I mean, like, if, if E3 does make or break a games company, you've certainly got a very strong showing there. Mm. Um, that does mean you're going to have to come out with GTA 6 tattooed on your arm. <laughs> that's fine. I'm willing to do that. It, will a temporary tattoo be sufficient? Will people yeah. be able to tell? You know, yeah. I mean, like, I think that... So Peter Moore had it on his um, on his arm. Maybe I can have it on like one of my fat thighs. Um, you know, just like pull up my cycling shorts and show people. <laughs> A very awkward thirty seconds where you slowly roll up one leg of your shorts, <laughs> and everyone's like, "There better be something good under these shorts." <laughs> oh, for the publisher bracket, I thought about EA as well because you get respawn, but I wouldn't know what to do with all those sports. And so I just thought, oh, I, I can't be bothered to like deal with this. And I just thought. It's like, I'm afraid all of you are fired. <laughs> because I don't understand sports. Yeah, or, or business. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, like, I thought EA was super powerful 
if you could get like if it was like the dream version of EA where you've got respawn as they are now, Bioware at the height of their powers, Criterion at the height of their powers, and Dice at the height of their powers. Mm. That's that's pretty potent. But, but uh, that the, the, re- the real EA period didn't want where that. they are that is hard. Mm? Yeah, the real EA didn't want that apparently. Um, like yeah. that amazing roster series, like Pop Cap knocking out like you know Peggle like winners. <laughs> Yeah, uh, PopCap, yeah, we're making like, like early days mobile gaming. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. like basically like 2008-9 kind of time, right? Yeah, um, I don't know if there's ever a period where like every single bit of EA is firing on all cylinders. No, because that's slightly know. before like FIFA is good as, again as well. So like yeah. um, I mean, you but, and I obviously deeply invested in FIFA. Uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's yeah. Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I, I thought about that, but that didn't quite fit. I thought about Sega. But again, there's like parts of it I don't really understand, like Football Manager. I wouldn't know what I'm doing with that. So you know, I, I, I think, think like for this podcast, if you picked Sega, you do get you get the double whammy of Yakuza and like Persona, which is that's pretty tasty. Yeah, I thought about that, but then I just thought like uh, again, I, I it just there's Sonic as well, and like I knew mm. that you would use Sonic against me, and yeah. I wasn't prepared I, I to give you that ammunition. I contemplated get buying Sega specifically to cancel Sonic, <laughs> but I thought, you know what, that's just malicious. I'd rather have Capcom. Capcom, I don't feel like I have to cancel anything. I'm not, I'm not big on Mega Man, I will admit, but not so much <laughs> that I'd cancel the dude. No, I think that Capcom's a good choice. But um, yeah. Matthew, you've got one final category. So Yeah, this is, this is really tough because I feel like you actually picked a really good one in Clover Studio. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> My like my choice is really super underpowered for this, um, so I'm just desperately trying to think if there's something else I can pick other than it. Is it? Um, I don't know if it falls within the ten years. Could you could you pick mid to late nineties LucasArts for this? We're talking ten years ago or more. I mean, LucasArts did they were a publisher technically? Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's not it's not really fair, is it? No, I, I think um, the problem is the problem is that like. Yeah, they they made games from themselves, but they also published games from like Factor yeah. Five and stuff. So I'm not quite sure that works. Yeah, uh, I had. I'm just going to talk through some of my thinking of things that I had contemplated. Mm-hmm. Um, I had pl- I had contemplated for about ten seconds um, Factor Five um, for like the Rogue Squadron glory days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just I don't know. I, I think that's that's still a little undercooked. That's like a um, it's like, that's like a three year time period where they're making sort of like games that are like broadly acclaimed, basically, isn't it? Yeah, and it's all just very shiny, like Mega Drive tech. Uh, <laughs> that's harsh. It's very it's very good. Those are like, legit good. The Rogue Squadron games. Did I say Mega Drive? I meant GameCube. I, I don't know. I said Mega Drive. <laughs> oh right, I thought it was a diss. Um, but no, yeah. no, no. I I think I was looking. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> ignore that. <laughs> Yeah, it was just my brain going mad. Mega, the people are like, what the fuck are they talking about? I had thought about, like, Lionhead, but they didn't. They only closed five years ago. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really work. I uh, thought, listen, I, I I'm going to end that. on the softest heart choice of all time. Go on. F- for this. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring back Sing, which is not a wise move. It's not a sound business decision. The angel investors are, like generally on board with everything i think but this one they'd be like oh no this guy's an uh. idiot um <laughs> but yeah like i felt like seeing 
hit a dead end uh, a little too early. I actually think their their low, like moody vibe of Hotel Dusk and Last Window could actually probably uh work a bit better in this modern day like people are into sort of slightly more kind of chilled sort of indie stuff i could see it um fitting into you know there are like eight thousand indie games about running a coffee shop now it seems and i could <laughs> see sing sitting alongside that i uh, you know i'd like to see sing have a little play with switch technology and all the weird functionality of the controllers because that's like an underrated part of sing is that they did quite experimental stuff with like the form of the ds i'd like to see what they did with that i mean I just like you know. Listen, you've given me all this money. I'm gonna right or wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a second chance. We'll get a bit more Carl Hyde, a few more Carl Hyde games. That's that's absolutely fine. Like it's more about keeping some nice people in work. So you know, if you support that kind of very like humane worldview, um, <laughs> probably vote for my publishing label. <laughs> oh, I love how cynical that is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, if you want a load of like late 50s to early 60s creatives uh, to not have jobs then um, by all means vote for it mr mr rockstar and arcade <laughs> oh god um you know we, we let people um we'll, we'll hire all the people that um had to leave sing if um if needs be um at where our are they gonna work but, which um, of your studios are you possibly gonna need to slot the talent of sing into uh, I think they could work on some of the kind of like world building at From Software or Arcane. Um, I don't know, to be honest, that's quite a hard one to figure out. But um, yeah, I think that um, that's a very you choice. I think that's weaker than my choice for that category, personally. Um, yeah, it, it is. Um, I did think, yeah, Clover Studio was on my list. I was, like I said, I was worried about like time paradoxes and things. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, uh, I was curious why you didn't pick um, OG Kojima Productions, actually, because that was one I think you sounded me out about, um, like PS2 era Konami or something like that. Oh, well, no, I, that was that that was a wider Konami conversation, because when I was thinking about my publisher, like before we settled on the we're buying them as they are now, I thought if you could buy Konami at the height of its like Castlevania and Metal Gear Solid and Pro Evo powers, I thought they were actually like... Uh, uh, not an unreasonable choice for third-party publisher, but if you buy them as they are now, like that would be unwise, I'd say. Uh, yeah, and I guess in my head, I just saw I saw Kojima as part of that, like just part of the wider Konami kind of ecosystem, rather than a standalone studio within it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, listen. Oh, I feel like I've really biffed it with seeing. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's um, let's recap both our choices, then, Matthew. Do you, you go, you go first. Go through all your different brackets. Yeah, so a big studio not owned by a publisher. I've got Kojima Productions. No, I haven't. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> this is going well. How is it this came off? There's only six choices. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so hard just reading out a list of bot. It's because I've put bullet points next to yours and they stand out more. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done this as well. This is why I fucked this up so badly. My uh, my, my doc for this. Oh. Do leave, leave this in the edit because it's good. It is right. Good. A big studio not owned by a publisher, IO Interactive. Another big studio not owned by a publisher, Larian. An indie developer, Supergiant. A studio that already belongs to one of the three platform holders, Playground Games. An entire third-party publisher, Capcom. And a Time Machine studio brought back from the dead, Sing. Interesting. See, I think we're tied on all of the categories, except I think I've got the edge on you in a couple. Definitely the edge on you in Time Machine. 
But um, I think you've got the edge on me in publisher. So let's go through mine. So bracket one, a big studio not owned by a publisher from software. Bracket two, another big studio not owned by a publisher, Kojima Productions. Bracket three, an indie developer, Team Cherry. Bracket four, a studio that already belongs to one of the three platform holders, Arcane Studios. Bracket five, an entire third-party publisher, Rockstar Games. Bracket six, Clover Studio circa 2006. I don't think I have a single weak spot there. Like, I think that's all strong. Um, yeah. Like, your mileage might vary on GTA these days, but everyone seemed to love Red Dead Redemption 2. I think I feel pretty confident about where they're going. So, um, yeah. But the people will decide, Matthew. So, at the top of our Twitter page on... Um, at Backpage Pod on Twitter, I will post, I will pin this poll for as long as I can run it because I know people download this episode kind of like new episodes people download gradually over a course of weeks. So it could take a little while for people to catch up, um, but we will address the results in a future episode. Matthew, should we take a, a quick break and then come back with our bonus categories to um, see us out? That sounds great. Cool. Welcome back to the podcast. So for this final section, there's a bunch of bonus categories about our like um, prospective new publishers to give people an idea of uh, sort of what we're working on, um, that sort of thing. They're basically like fun, silly questions. Um, I, I will say that your criteria of like what is what makes the publisher good should be based on the games because this is going to be some complete fucking nonsense. So <laughs> question one then, Matthew, is what is the name of your publisher? Um, should we go with you first? Yeah. So... I, I think I'm actually going to keep it pretty simple. I'm going to I'm going to call it Matthew Castle Productions. Okay. Because like when I want my name to be on all this stuff that I've bought and I want you to see and hear my name a lot when you're playing these games. I just want to be associated with them. Like I'm going to be like my my philosophy is I'm going to be very like hands-on. I want to be like a big presence in this studio. I don't want to just be some suit. So like, you know, I kind of want to give it like my personal like stamp of quality and that is like putting my name on it so yeah i think matthew castle productions okay yep that's um i i honestly thought it would be funnier than that but nonetheless um oh sorry uh, what were you no no (laughs) no it's fine it's you know i I could call it like fart box or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's uh... if, if you'd rather if that's more what you were going for uh, I mean, you know, I'm sad that that's the level at which you think I'm operating at. Um, but, you know, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, you did I, laugh at it. Yeah, I mean, only because I don't expect you to make fart jokes. It hit me... Um, yeah, exactly. Caught me off guard. Um, anyway. But you've got to think, like, it was saying my name, like, quite loud. Yeah. Right, so, my one then. What is the name of my publisher? So, um, you know how there's uh, Sega Sammy Holdings? That's, like, the parent company for Sega? Oh, yeah. Um, mine's going to be called Big Sammy Holdings Limited. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um that's what we're going oh, for matthew there. castle sounds very dry now it sounds like the kind of name you know how like when you were reading like um sort of crash or zap and then like they had all these sort of um really like boring sounding british developers um it's got like a bit of a, a dino dini vibe um oh no oh i've got to change i've got to change it <laughs> no it's too um, late now it's too late now let's move to the oh, other I've committed to oh I just thought it was. I thought it would be like brilliant and obnoxious having your name on it. But you're right; it just sounds a little bit like budget and eighties. Yeah, I, I oh. can imagine buying like games on cassette from uh, Matthew Castle uh, Productions. Oh um, God! I mean, would you go to the Matthew Castle Productions E3 conference? Then again, Big Sammy Holdings is also. Uh, <laughs> oh, you've got Holdings. 
<laughs> yeah, I just holdings think it... is not a set. Like people are like, mm, yeah, I love companies with holdings in them. I'm sorry, but Sammy Holdings is a combination of words is so funny to me. I don't know why it just is. Um, <laughs> let's move to the next category, Matthew. Who hosts your E3 conference? So this was I was talking about this Catherine last night at great length, and <laughs> I was kind of annoying her a bit. Like <laughs> I want to create like quite a big splash, right? I think so. I don't think it would be me, even though my philosophy is that like you know. I am quite present. I'd probably be on stage, like on a chair or something, but it wouldn't be me presenting it, but you'd have to look at me at some point of the show. I don't necessarily want someone associated with gaming. I just want someone who's like a really big international figure who's quite impressive. Yep. So... Elon Musk? (laughs) No, I was thinking, uh, like, Barack Obama. (laughs) Okay. That is not where I thought you would go with that. Okay, yeah. Because he's any, quite any... famous. He's a good talker. I think he's quite charismatic. Uh, yeah. So probably that. Okay, cool. Um, so my three conference will be hosted by the very affable um, John Mulaney, who's one of the best like awards show hosts there is. Um, made the sack oh, launch. Very different vibe. <laughs> I think like a bit more fun. Oh, though. God. I'm so <laughs> bad at running a business. I can't believe I'm asking... <laughs> A load of teenagers to tune into Barack Obama to tell them about the relaunch of Sing. <laughs> I didn't think this through at all. This is terrible. <laughs> oh, for, oh, for the, the for the Matthew Castle Productions E3 conference to <laughs> the E3 livestream. He's like, you know him best from Hotel Dusk. The crowd's like. Ooh. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, I've really shut this up. Yours is so, already so much more fun. <laughs> I, also, I also like that you insist on putting yourself on stage. Like you insist on being there. Like you don't need to be there. Uh, well, I know because I'm instantly regretting it as well. Because I think the reception to this is going to be so frosty in the room that I'm just going to sit there and soak it up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm like, oh man, I wish I was back. That's what's going through my head while I sit on a throne. It's like I wish I was backstage right now. <laughs> uh, uh, whereas, like, I'm just going to. I'm just going to have, like, John Mulaney come up and say, hey, here's GTA 6 to kick off the show. Um, and then, yeah, you're going to tune into yours, it's you and Barack Obama on stage. <laughs> yeah, guys, it's Hotel Dusk HD. Oh, oh so like, good. <laughs> well, there's no oh, reception. God. There's no reception. Um, Why did I pick Barack Obama? <laughs> I thought that would be classy, but that's not the energy of E3 at all. I almost picked... Um, Ben Affleck, because the guy's like a living meme, and he'd have got like memed over and over again. But I don't think he'd embrace the subject matter enough. So, um, Mulaney is a solid pick. He's like a great award show host, Mulaney, as well. Very warm presence. Um, but I can imagine him being quite down on gaming and gamers, um, quite well, withering. Um, I, no, I don't know. I think Hello, he's like nerds, he'd say nah, or something. He's not, um, Joel McHale. He's like younger. He's a millennial. He gets like, you know, he'll get gaming more than like Joel McHale does, for example. But, um, yeah, plus he just seems like a nice guy. And he looks like that boy from The Flash. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on to the next category, Matthew. So, who plays the concert at your E3 party? <laughs> Please tell me it's Randy Newman. I really yeah, this. it is. <laughs> of course it is. Because, I mean, this is just like, I've got money to hire an artist to, like, perform at something. Of course I'm going to hire an artist I actually like. Because, and also, I actually think the package of, of like, maybe if you knew Randy Newman's also in the mix, like, Obama seems less crazy. 
It's, it's a very class. The whole vibe's quite classy. If anything, the E3 conference has the energy of a sing game. Uh, yeah, I just think it's, the, it's, it's like, like it's low like energy. The energy of like a, a very like low light, smoky jazz bar. Yeah. Um, how old is Randy Newman, Matthew? Uh, he's quite old. He's, like, he's easily in his 70s, if not 80s. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, he is a 77-year-old man. Yeah. yeah, but millennials love the songs from Toy Story, and even though I'm not a big fan, like I would definitely get him to play some of them up top. Don't you think that having um, songs from a 1995 animated movie is a bit baffling for an E3 conference? Um, not I not mean... really. <laughs> okay. Like everyone likes you've got a friend in me. It makes them think about like being a kid again, and they're like, "Oh, it's the guy from Toy Story." That's a bit more exciting because they're like, "Who the fuck's this?" And they're like, "Oh, it's Toy Story guy." Okay. Well, okay. Well, that's that's great. So we've got the Matthew Castle Productions E3 conference hosted by Barack Obama. Matthew Castle's on stage for some reason, um, and then yeah, and Randy Newman is playing the concert after E3. That's like he, amazing. He, Randy Newman, he like. He de- he descend from the roof. You know, except like the Xbox conferences, they always like drop a car from the roof from yeah. Forza Horizon. Yeah. I've got Forza Horizon, so that would happen. But Randy Newman would also be in the car. Ah, oh, that's so good. And he just accidentally like lurches it forward into the crowd. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it all gets a bit dark, and like the, the live stream just cuts out with like um, a picture of like a puppy pulling out like a wire. Oh, sorry. I'm kind of inflicting too much of this on you. I um, I've picked uh, this a lot more straight, to be honest. Um, I've picked um Ludwig Göransson, the uh, composer behind Black Panther, uh, Tenor, and The Mandalorian, uh, and he'll I do mean, like a DJ set. That's quite. I I still think that's quite dry. Okay, I'll just go with my original choice then, which was uh, <laughs> '80s um, electro rockers Depeche Mode, um, which uh, gamers uh, I think would like Depeche Mode. Um, that feels like within their sort of bracket of like you know dweeb kind of music. Um, yeah, so a bunch of um, bunch of old men from Essex will do enjoy the silence at our um, our conference, as well as uh, other hits like Dream On and I Feel Loved. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's my choice there. That's a bit bit funnier, I guess. So. <laughs> What's the first? Oh, no, listen, your, your conference has got like definitely more of a through line because they're in like the Kojima Productions headspace. They've got this music. Kojima would like that. Mm, yeah, choice. yeah, I think so. Yes, Kojima's like definitely big on Depeche Mode. Um, back when I used to read his um, blog in two thousand six, I remember him uh, posting about um, him going to HMV and buying the Depeche Mode CD. God, that sounds like something that happened four hundred years you ago. See, to me, this just feels like like. You are now in the trap that Konami probably were in, and that the rest of your life is going to be spent kind of keeping Kojima happy. <laughs> yeah, but I've also got all these other studios. You know, if I have to use all of my um, GTA Online car DLC money to keep Kojima happy, I'll fucking do it, my friend. Um, right. Okay. So yeah, I just think you've. I think you've got a hard. I, th- I think you've got like you've got a harder group to like work with. The, the rewards are potentially massive, but you do have to kind of play with it quite carefully. Yeah, I mean, you know, sure. Uh, well, yeah. You know, seeing aren't going to kick off. They're just going to be happy that they're not like unemployed anymore. That's just going to be like great. Yeah, you know? everyone's going to be like impressed that they got to meet Obama. I'm, I'm excited about the um, Forza Horizon X Hotel Dust crossover event. Um, <laughs> that should be fun. Okay, let's uh, plow on then, Matthew. What's the first project you approve as president of Matthew Castle Productions? I'm sort of torn. I'm torn between what I sort of mentioned earlier, which is kind of like an ongoing. Uh, Hitman project, so just basically keeping me fed a la season one of Hitman, 
mm-hmm. but kind of forever. I'm, I'm quite, I'd be quite up for that. But it's, it's probably got to be like basically just giving Shu Takumi a blank check, and it's like make your dream game. Like you have the, you have, you have all of these people behind you. You can take any talent from like any of the studios. You can really like make something spectacular. I just let, yeah, it would be uh, Takumi Unleashed. <laughs> that's a great that's combination my th- of words. <laughs> uh, that's like- my first. That's my first decree. Uh, well, that we have well and truly ticked off of the um, the Shu Takumi Square from the uh, bingo card this um, this episode. Yeah. Okay, so my first project. Um, let's see what uh, it looks like when Rockstar makes a sci-fi game. That's what we're going to do. We're going to see Ooh. what a Rockstar, a Rockstar open-world sci-fi game looks like. You know, will it be somber? Will it be sort of like you know, um, sort of like dickheads in space, like GTA? Who knows? But um, we're going to find <laughs> out. God damn it! I hope it is called Dickheads in Space. <laughs> um, yeah. At the very least, that'll be on the in-game television. You can watch Dickheads in Space. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, that that suits me. The original plan, like I say, was to buy Capcom and have um, uh, post-Resi 4 Mikami have a run at Resi 5. But I can't do that now, so um, I'll just go oh. with this. Yeah, that um, seems like a good use of my... Uh, I, I don't want to mess things up too much as well because of the aforementioned time travel shenanigans. So yeah. the final category. So what, what would you give Clover Studio to do? Uh, Clover Studios. Well, I I would let them do whatever they want. I would like. Um, it, I don't. I don't think like um, Mikami would make um, God Hand Two because um, he even he admitted that that was like a bit too uh, niche a proposition. Um, so I could see him. I don't know. I, I kind of want like basically. I guess we're kind of looking at Vanquish era Mikami. Like um, he mm. likes making games that millions of people play. I th- I could see him just making Vanquish for us. Um, I'll have to point out to him that Vanquish already exists and that he made it. So we'll have to make something else. <laughs> this is too confusing. Oh, you see, this is where the time travel really... Like, at least with Sing, like, that they're not, like, treading massively on the toes of what came after. Yeah. With these guys, you absolutely are. Like, you basically have to shepherd them down and, you know, they're going to make the same decisions. Because basically, Clover Studios kind of is Platinum Games. So they're going to make the same decisions. If anything, I think the second you you bring these guys back to life, they're going to leave and split off four Platinum Games again. And then there's going to be two Platinum Games, which is just going to be a nightmare. You're going to be a studio down. The timeline's going to be in chaos. I, I think you're overthinking that too much. Like it's um, they're, they're, they they got closed. You've, them at that, you've bought them at that headspace that they yeah, want to get out of there. They didn't leave, but they didn't leave Capcom. Capcom closed them, Matthew. Like oh, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, your, your so logic you just have doesn't to avoid hold up. Making that mistake. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I do not accept your logic, sir. So let's, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's go to the final, most important category. Who are the five people appointed to your board on Matthew Castle Productions? So we agreed off the off um, air that um, this could be both fictional people and real people. So what have you got, Matthew? I, I think I am actually going to have Shutakumi on the board mm-hmm. as like this sort of like head story guru. Yep. So, so he's like Mr. Story. Uh, I'm going to employ acclaimed musician John Williams because he's like the last person who wrote genuinely memorable theme tunes for film heroes. Mm. And you'll know this is a big bugbear of mine. I want all of my games to have really killer theme tunes. And that doesn't mean John Williams is going to write them, but he is going to oversee it. He's going to be like the head of themes. Right. So like tunes you can really hum. That's what I want. Like, the music in our games is going to be amazing, but I want him to kind of be there just to look over it. Mm-hmm. I did contemplate keeping Barack Obama around just because he's classy. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. Agent 47. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
What's that? Is that to like ex- execute your um, rivals? Well, exactly. I'm thinking like big industrial espionage with this guy. Like the first, his first job is basically to like, like mess up your whole deal. <laughs> yeah. Like a yeah, like a violent enforcer. I know it's pretty brazen to have your violent enforcer on the board, right? Um, and that that isn't like accepted like business smarts, mm. but you know whatever. Um, and the last one was difficult because Catherine was like, "You should probably have someone who knows about business." Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think of like fictional good businessmen or businessmen who I thought would like get the job done. So maybe like Brian Cox from Succession. Okay, right. You went with a TV character. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a bit cantankerous, and he might just urinate himself in the boardroom. Is that a problem? Well. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh god. I should really. I should really pass it on to one of his kids. But which one? <laughs> oh, feels like there's a concept of a show in that. <laughs> yeah, they should make that. It sounds good. <laughs> um, okay. Should I do my my board? Yeah. Can you can you do better than shooting only John Williams, Barack Obama, age of forty seven, and? <laughs> Demented Brian Cox from Succession. Uh, let's see. Okay, so um, first up, we've got um, Isabel from Animal Crossing. Like she knows right, business. Okay. Yeah. So a she, dog. Yeah, she's like my CFO. Um, if I'm Bill, she's Hillary. Um, you know, it's it's going to work. I think. Like, um, Wait, she's, she's your wife. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't mean it that way, but like uh... first, your first move. <laughs> Boy Studios is <laughs> marry a dog. Oh, I meant in terms of the power dynamics more than like I'm actually oh, yeah. in a wow, relationship with a fictional sure, dog. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is all getting a bit um a bit sort of four uh, chan, isn't it? Let's um, move on from that. Okay, next up we've got the Riddler from the Batman Arkham games is in charge of marketing. That guy gets fucking everywhere. We'll be on every screen on the planet. Um, oh, that's smart. That's yeah. good. Oh, you've put more thinking into yours. We've got um, Raphael Colantonio, for, formerly of um, Arcane, the guy who said press sneak fucks. Um, he'll be a mm. consultant, but he'll also be on hand to shout press sneak fucks whenever I get bad coverage, which will be um, important. Yeah, not not that I'll get bad coverage because my developers are so good. So um, Yeah, he might yeah. have to cover up the whole dog marriage thing. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> He's like, you press sneak fucks, and they're like, well, he did. I mean, that is a fact. He has done that. <laughs> Oh, okay. I've got Dr. Mario on hand for medical emergencies. Um, That's... I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to, like, to be down on a lot of your picks. Dr. Mario is a terrible doctor. Like, his literal solution to illness is just to keep chucking pills at it, like, over and over again, until he either magically aligns the pills in your stomach and the viruses vanish, or the pills reach up to the top of you and you choke to death. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, his sort of... um, these days he's moving more into like um wellness and i think that'd oh, be good. it's more holistic <laughs> yeah that'd be good for people working like big kind of crunch hours i think which we're trying to avoid on in this publisher but um <laughs> right yeah so got dr mary around for that i think i'm also going to have um kojima as a consultant mm. we we the board acknowledges that 90 percent of the time he'll be taking holidays to visit different developers and mads mickelson but <laughs> occasionally he'll check in and do some work and um we decided that's a net gain. So um, okay. that's my board, Matthew. So to wrap up then, if people want to vote on this, you can go to our um, Twitter page or back page pod. That'll be open at some uh, until some point in June. I'll decide when, yeah. but basically for again, the foreseeable future while you're listening, you know. And again, 
base that on the studio picks, not the disastrous vision of E3 that I just described. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, good God. That was so funny. Oh, everyone, everyone like uh, checking into my E3 hotel and everyone's saying, you go to the Randy Newman concert tonight. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't get a ticket. And they'd be like, oh, email this PR. They'll get you in. And I go there and there's like four people. Yeah. Oh, a barmer announced some game about a hotel. I don't know. It was <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes. Yeah, so um, we hope you very much enjoyed this um, ludicrous uh, competition, but um, we'll discuss the winner in a future episode, probably uh, a few weeks down the line. So, um, yes, Backpage Pod, if you want to vote on that. You can also follow me on Twitter at uh, Samuel W. Roberts. Where can find, people find you, Matthew? Uh, I'm at Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. If you'd like to send us uh, an email, it's uh, backpagegames at gmail.com. And we'll be back next Friday with another episode, this time about our E3 memories. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye for now. 